First Kings chapter 7. First Kings chapter 7. I want to begin reading with verse 1 just to kind of give a, a little bit of context to get to the main verse. First Kings 1, or excuse me, First Kings 6 verse 1. Did I say that? No, I messed that up. I'm sorry. First Kings 6 verse 1. And it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel in the month Ziph, which is the second month. So we're about to get to Ziph, not February. <laughs> of course, that's probably a little different anyway, but just saying. That he began to build the house of the Lord. And the house of the Lord which Solomon built for the Lord, the length thereof was threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof twenty cubits, and the height thereof thirty cubits, and the porch before the temple of the house twenty cubits was the length thereof according to the breadth of the house, and ten cubits was the breadth thereof before the house. The Living Bible says it this way, the temple was ninety feet long, thirty feet wide, forty-five feet high. All along the front of the temple was a porch 30 feet long and 15 feet deep. This was a massive structure. And for the house he made windows of narrow lights, and against the wall of the house he built chambers round about against the walls of the house round about, both of the temple and of the oracle, and he made chambers round about. The nethermost chamber was five cubits broad, and the middle was six cubits broad, and the third was seven cubits there broad. For without in the wall of the house he made narrowed rests about that the, that the beams should, maybe time for some new glasses, that the beams should be fastened to the walls of the house. And the house, verse 7, and the house, when it was in building, was built of stone made ready before it was brought thither, so that there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was building. The Living Bible says it this way, the stones used in the construction of the temple were pre-finished at the quarry. So the entire structure was built without the sound of hammer, axe, or any other tool at the building site. Message Bible says it like this way, the stone blocks for the building of the temple were all dressed at the quarry so that the building site itself was reverently quiet. No noise from hammers and chisels and other iron tools. I want to ask you to, a question this evening as my title, and that is, where are you being shaped? Where are you being shaped? Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for the ministry of your spirit that has taken place in this service. Thank you, God. I believe there are things that you have done in the spirit this evening that we may not 
see right now the results. We may not even see in the next couple of hours, maybe not even the next couple of days or weeks, but there are things that your spirit has accomplished in this place already this evening, and I thank you for that, Lord. God, I pray now that you would continue to work and move in this service tonight. I pray, God, that you would speak to us, that your word would speak to us, that your spirit would speak to us through your word. We would have ears to hear what you want to say and that you would be able to do in us, to us, through us tonight. Whatever you desire to do, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, once again, I acknowledge without you I can do nothing. I trust you tonight. Depend upon you for your anointing, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Whether you're in construction or not, whether you've necessarily been around construction, I think we all can understand that there's some things in verse number 7 that are not necessarily the norm for a construction site. I've had the chance to be around and personally impacted by, in particular, I guess most recently, the addition that we did on our house several years ago, and and uh, I I I haven't I haven't mentioned I haven't mentioned our dog in a little while, and so uh, you need to need to mention Leo, and uh, Brother Vernell is holding out for the day that I bring Leo, and I won't say never because when you say never, you kind of seal the deal, but it's very unlikely he will ever make it here as a part of a message of mine. We got a great relationship, and we've learned each other. But that's we we've got. I think, uh, and actually, there's some things about this I think that are actually a mixed blessing. But we've got the most skittish dog in the world. He is scared of everything, except when you open the back door for him to go outside. Something else comes over him. But in the house. The slightest noise, and he is jumping and shaking. And that poor dog needed—he needed meds. <laughs> he needed meds seriously when they were doing the addition and all the noise, because normally a a construction site is is a a noisy place. Nowadays, you've got you've got saws, electric tools, you've got the hammers going, you've got. All of these things going, but, but the scripture makes the point to us that in the, in the construction of this temple that Solomon was building, this, this structure that is considered to be one of the most magnificent structures ever built in all of history, that when it came to the, the erection of the structure, it was an unusually quiet place. I would, I would suspect that even in those days, building with stone and, and, and things like that, that it would be a noisy place because I, I would suspect that the norm was that you, you did all the chiseling and the shaping on site. But the Scripture tells us that with regards to Solomon's temple, all of that was done at the quarry so that there was neither hammer 
nor axe, nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was in building. There's a whole lot of things about that are pretty amazing. I don't know if they pre-erected it before they brought it to the site. I, I don't know. I've watched a couple of these shows that they're rebuilding structures that they've moved from one place to another and they've got it very specifically marked and it's already fit together. I, I don't know how they did all that. All I know is that it says the shaping, the chiseling of these stones for their part, their place in the temple, all took place off site. Listen to what the word of the Lord says through the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be you have tasted the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Now watch this, verse number 5. You also, that's you and me, are lively stones, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Amplified says, verse 5, this way, Come and like living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house for a holy, dedicated, consecrated priesthood. The Living Bible says, And now you have become living, building stones for God's use in building His house. The Message Bible says, Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant, with life. I, I like the way, which is not uncommon, but I like the way the Message Bible says that there. Present, present yourselves as building stones. You present yourselves as building stones. And then now what's becoming more and more common, the Passion Translation says it this way. Come and be His living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. Present yourselves as building stones. Come and be His living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. Present yourselves as living stones that are being assembled together for a sanctuary. We know that the Old Testament, many things throughout the Old Testament, God did them, God showed them to us, God had them recorded so that we could learn spiritual principles from them. 
so that they could teach us spiritual truths. And so Solomon is constructing this house for God that is going to be this magnificent house, but all of the shaping of the stones for the building of this house were not done at the temple. They were done off-site. And they were brought to the temple simply for the purpose of being put in their place. Uh, and this is a, this is a C-130. It's going to take us a little while to get off the runway. Some of you might got a little glimpse or figure out where I'm going. It was brought to the site of the temple so it could be put in its place. It was shaped, it was fashioned someplace else. Brought to the site simply for assembly. But there was no sound of hammers and chisels where the temple was being assembled. You know why there are times that some of us have gone through where we get bored with coming together like this? You know why we get bored a lot of times? Because we are forced to do at the side of the temple... No, I, I don't. This is one of those things. Every time something like this comes up, I feel the need to qualify, so I will qualify. I'm not saying this building is the temple. I'm not saying all of those things. I'm saying when we as the body come together, the problem is we've got to spend time doing here what you and I ought to be doing someplace else. So that when we come here, instead of having to spend all kind of time getting us shaped and into the condition and the position we need to be in, we can come together so God can take lively stones, put us into place so that we as the church can be and do what we are supposed to be. Sunday mornings would kind of be the exception, but 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 I, 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 I'm, I'm tired of having to do chiseling on Sunday night and Thursday night. I, I, I'm, I'm tired of having to do shaping that I ought to be doing somewhere else. But if I'm not going to get myself shaped by the Spirit of God and the Word of God someplace else, then we have no choice but to come to the temple site, figuratively speaking, and have to work on shaping us before we can put us together. I, 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 I taught it on Thursday night. 
Ephesians 3 verse 9, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent, for this reason, for this purpose, that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by or really through the church the manifold wisdom of God. For those of you that may not have been here Thursday night, for those of you that were here, forgive me for a moment, for those that weren't here. We spent all kinds of time as the church with our focus on principalities and powers and, and especially in, in sort of a positive sense, we're all intrigued by the angels. We're all interested in what the angels are doing and we're all interested in all this angelic stuff and, and, and there's a place and a purpose. But what God is saying here through Paul is that his intent was not to use angels to entertain the church. His intent was to use the church to show principalities and powers some things. But we're never going to be able for God to do that if we're always having to focus on getting us shaped so that we can then be put together. Peter said that that the angels have a desire to look in to what God is doing here. I said it Thursday night after preparing and studying for Thursday night. By the help of the Lord, I'm not going to worry about seeing angels anymore. You, Some of you here have seen them. Some of you will see them. I've never seen one. I know what they feel like. I know, I know that. I've, I've learned how to recognize angelic presence, but I've never seen one. But I'm not, I, why am I spending all my time worried about seeing them? When they're looking, wow, wow, God, you can do that. That's what you can, that's what you want to do. That's what you can. Why am I going to be jealous of them when they're actually looking into what God is trying to do through us? Here's, here's, here's the struggle. I said, I, I need to stop saying what I used before because some of you probably don't remember when I used it. You'll just think it's the first time, and wow, that was great. So, it, It's a wonderful thing when your kids start to be able to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing with me? We start going around when they start doing it. Hey, listen, listen. Go ahead, do it, do it. And we're in, we're mesmerized. We're in awe of it. It is the, one of the sweetest, most wonderful things. And and as parents, we cherish that moment. And Got any, got any uh, 11th or 12th graders here? Come here, come here. Yeah, let me borrow you for a moment. What grade are you in? 12th grade. 12th grade. What, what would y'all think? 
if his dad was walking around with him after service going, hey, watch this. Come on, go show him. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. You'd be like. Please, no disrespect for what I'm about to say. Please, please, please. I don't mean it disrespectfully. I don't mean it facetiously. Please let me use it to make a point, okay? But if that was the case, your assumption would be he must be he must have special needs. If we're celebrating a 12th grader singing the ABCs, we don't when he was 2 or 3 years old that'd have been really cute. In 12th grade that's kind of boring. Thank you. What you guys think walking into the you know first day or two of college classes and the professor said, "Okay, all right, everybody get ready. Here we go." And the count of three. One, two, three. A, B, C. Why? Because you got that down a long time ago. It's now time to go on to some other stuff. But when you can't make up your mind between Sunday and Thursday whether or not you're even going to live for God, You don't know whether or not you're going to backslide next month or not, or even if you know if you're going to still keep coming, how involved you really want to be, how committed. We don't have a choice but to have the, the sound of the chisel and the hammer at the temple site where God is intending for us to be put together piece by piece because there's something He's called us to do. There's something He's promised that He wants to do in us and through us. When you're, you know, when you're a kid first starting to play basketball and you go to practice and start running layups, you're, you're running layups because that's a part of learning how to play. But as time goes on, that begins to transition. And most of the time, even you go to a college game or a professional game, what do they start off with? But there's a big difference why they're doing layups then versus when they were doing it as a six or seven year old. As a six and seven year old, it was about learning how to do layups. As a college or a pro, it's about warming up. I, I, I remember my high school days become the practice. We, most of us, I don't, there may have been a few guys that didn't feel this way, but most of us, when we came to basketball practice, Stephen, we wanted to know one thing. When can we scrimmage? We don't want to run layups. We don't want to listen to you talk and show us plays and teach us. We want to just play. And that's why by high school, for those of us that really like basketball and were half decent at it, by that point, we didn't just run layups. We started running layups and all the way around the back and laying it in and all this other stuff because we had to do something to keep us engaged. We were getting bored with the same old, same old, same old. 
problem's not God. The problem's not the Word of God. The problem's not church. The problem's not the preaching. The problem's not the worship team. The problem's not any of those other things. The problem is we need to get beyond doing at the temple what should be going on someplace else. I'm not saying that there should never be a time where the Spirit of the Lord is not doing some shaping and working. But you know what? If you and I were finding a place all alone with us and God on a regular basis, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Shape me and mold me according to your will. Oh God, I want to be surrendered to Your will. I want to be in alignment with Your will. I want my thoughts to be in alignment with Your Word. I want my thoughts to be right according to Your Word. Don't let there be any secret sins in me, God. Don't let there be any wrong motives in me, God. Don't let there be any wrong ambitions in me, God. If I was doing that by myself and letting the hammer and the chisel do its job someplace else more and more we could be coming together so that lively stones could be fitted into place for the building of something great oh this is a sunday night this isn't what you preach on a sunday morning lively stones you and i are lively stones lively stones Sunday mornings where you're, that's, that's, the, that's the place where you really ought to be trying to, at the most, because that's where you got most of your guests, most visitors. And that's, man, we come together Sunday nights. We come together Thursday nights. Bishop referenced these verses the other night, but, but the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, completion, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. He said, therefore, leaving the principles. That word leaving doesn't mean abandoning, forsakening, or forsaking. That word leaving means sending forth. Going forth from. We've got the foundation. Now let's do something on the foundation. The problem is when we have to keep relaying the foundation or reconvincing you. problem is when some of you keep reading stuff and looking at stuff and watching stuff that you don't have enough of your own spiritual understanding of the word of God to be able to sort out in your own selves then we got to come together and deal with that is this necessary is this required do we really have does it matter how we dress does it matter this and does it matter that wouldn't it be nice let's get that settled yes it matters 
Yes, the Word of God addresses it. Yes, there are things in the Bible about it. How about us agree together? You know what? It's there. And to the best of my ability, I want to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. I don't want to be conformed to this world, but I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I'm doing that on my own and letting God do that, man, we come together. Anybody here like to do puzzles? I enjoy puzzles. We, a lot of times family trips or something, we do puzzles. And Christmas time we were given a puzzle. Jacob and Elizabeth gave us a puzzle and started that puzzle. Anybody ever notice you don't open the box and have to cut all the pieces into pieces? I realize some of them are stuck together and you got to kind of, I don't mean that. Somewhere, someplace else. Somebody got all the shapes. Somewhere, they were cut into the shapes. Your job as putting the puzzle together is not to cut the puzzle into shapes, to put it together. Your job is to pick the pieces that have already been shaped up so that they can be connected together to finish the picture that is there. Oh, God, help us to be puzzle pieces that when we come together, it's not so that we can be shaped into a piece, but so that we could be connected to who we need to be connected with so the picture that God has of what we're supposed to be can come to fruition. abandoning, not neglecting, not forsaking these fundamentals, but let's stay. they're fundamentals. That's it. So now let's, let's, let's move on. Let's move on to some exciting things. Let's, let's, I never, I, I would back in the day, you know, y- y'all know how when you, you, you guys that like to watch sports, you know how if you watch you know, the NBA from 20, 30 years ago is a different NBA than now. Well, high school 10, 15 years ago when I was in it. High school back at, it was, it was a different day. So I, I'm not saying by today's standards. But, you know, the, the, the mid-late 80s standards, I, I was a pretty decent basketball player at least in the little pond that I swam in. (laughs) And you know what? If if you do it the right way, when you do layups, if if you're coming up the right side of the basket, you're supposed to go off the left foot. And if you're coming up to the right side of the basket, you're supposed to go off the right foot. As, As good as whatever I ever got for the life of me, I could never get myself going off that left foot. Never could. I never could. I'd try. I'm in high school. I'm still trying. I'd have to focus so much on it. But you know what was an interesting thing? What was, what was sort of a weakness actually ended up becoming one of my strengths. Because what I could do I could go off that right foot, 
And as a right-handed person, you are expected that your right side is your dominant side. I was way more comfortable going left. I had a pretty sweet finger roll back in the day. Not today. You know what? This isn't about getting it all perfect. This isn't about you getting it all perfect. This isn't about you being able to do it exactly the way somebody else does it. At some point, God's going to leave some things there to remind you, you're not perfect. But you know what? It's time to, instead of spending the rest of your life trying to get this down, just go ahead and do what you can do. God's going to always leave some things in us that still need more development and growth. That doesn't disqualify us from being put into a position that can create something of of amazing proportions when we as lively stones Can you imagine what would happen if if 75% of this group got sold out. I'm not saying we're not doing it and it's never happening, but what would happen if we really, truly got sold out and focused on letting God shape us at the quarry, shape us in our prayer closet, so that coming together was about connecting and positioning us so that God could do the things that He's promised to do through us. Listen to, what, listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 9. And to make all men see. Oh, that was, I already read that, sorry. Ephesians 2. Oh, actually, let me go back before I get to even that. Watch this. Watch this. The children of Israel, they've spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. 40 years. As, as, a, as a whole group of people are dying off getting them down to the group that's going to go in the promised land. They finally reach the point where it's now time to go into the promised land. Watch this, Joshua 3, verse 2. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. So come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way to heretofore. Watch this. Next verse. And Joshua said unto the people. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves. You sanctify yourself because tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonders. But for the Lord to do wonders through us tomorrow as a congregation, you need to do some personal sanctifying of yourself. We're not coming together tomorrow for three days of prayer and fasting so the Lord will eventually do wonders. We're coming together tomorrow because today 
I believe there's a time and a place, and we will do more, I'm sure, in the future. I believe there's a time and a place for corporate fast, where God gives us direction as a congregation. But I got a question. I don't want any outward responses, because if you are doing this and you raise your hand, you just messed it up. But I got a question. How many of you have already started or have a plan that at some point in the next couple of days or weeks, you're going to fast? Oh, I know there's a whole bunch of you that if I stood up here tonight and said next week we're going to go on a seven-day or a 21-day fast this way or that way, there's a whole bunch of you. You do it. And again, hear me, there's a time and a place for that. The Lord said to Joshua, call a solemn assembly. But here, he said, you're getting ready to see some things. But you, you need to do some things on your own. There's some, there's some, I think they go on every week if I'm not mistaken. There's a, I believe there's a young adult, ladies or young ladies, in addition to the Wednesday, there's a, is that right? There was, there is. There's a young men's group as well. Not something that somebody organized, not something that leadership of any of those group, but just some some people. We, we, we want something more. We're tired of just learning our ABCs. We're tired of just going over the fundamental doctrines, and they're all important. We need a firm foundation, but man, there's got to be some more stuff. Brother, Brother Mike McGurk shared it in New Year's Eve service. Who, who, who was it that prayed for that lady whose friend it was had cancer? Who, who? Caleb and Matthew. That's what. That's that's what. That's what this is about. The problem is you. You're not going to see God do signs, miracles, signs, and wonders through you if if you're not getting shaped in the position you need to be to be connected where you need to be. Are you saying I got to earn it, brother? Right? No. It's no different than the person that wants to go run a marathon. Most of us, if we were going to run a marathon, we wouldn't wake up one morning and say, I think I'll run a marathon today. Most of us would have some planning that would go into it in advance. Preparation. So that when the time... I wonder how many things... Oh, Jesus. I wonder how many things God has said He was going to do and it was a genuine word from God as to the timing. I'm gonna, you hear me right now, hear me. Most of the time, my experience, my observation of others, and my reading of things in the Word of God, the majority of the time when God gives you direction, He does not tell you when. If you think God told you what, and He's also told you when, you better, you better do some praying and fasting to make sure you heard. Because first of all, what happens is a lot of times God says what? And we quickly say when. God says, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless your finances. I'm going to make you prosperous. And oh boy, tomorrow, here it comes. 
Absolutely not. Why does God need to waste his breath to tell you tonight what he's going to do tomorrow? If God has told you something, if you've got a promise, if you've got a word from God for something, I believe there's two basic reasons why God gives you a word on something he's going to do. One reason is he's not getting ready to do it right now. Why tell you what he's going to do if he's getting, just getting ready to do it? You don't need to be told. The Bible says they obtain the promises through faith. That's the fun part. But also patience. So, number one is he's telling you what he's going to do, but he's not doing it right now. So he wants you to know, I'm going to do it. And so I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do so that you have a word to fight with. Was it Timothy? He said that by the prophecies that, that were gone before, make war. So that when everything breaks against, when all hell breaks loose against what God said he was going to do, you pull out that word, that prophecy, that word of God. And you start fighting against doubt and fear and worry. God, you said it. It may not be today and it may not look like it's going to happen. It may not look like it's ever going to happen. But God, you told me it was going to happen. And so I'm going to hang on to the word that you gave. Or, if he is going to do it in the near future, the reason he's telling you what he's going to do is because from the time he tells you to the time he does it, but to the time he does it, you're probably going to go through all kinds of trials and tests and so that you know, okay, God, you said it. You said it. You said it. You said it. You said it, God. The problem is a word, a promise from God is not so that you get your sweet tea, sit back in your recliner and just sit back and wait till God does. Well, this God going to... No. God tells you what because there's something for you to do in preparation for it. I, I, I'm concerned about people that are always talking about God's called them, God's called. Well, I'm called. I'm called to minister. I'm called to preach. I'm called to do this. Okay, great. What are you doing? Well, nothing, because I'm called. The call was just the invitation to do your part. And if you will do your part, God was, will do His part. tell you something, if you feel like God's hand is on your life for a purpose, and, and, I, and, and I know in one sense everybody's, everybody has a role, everybody that's born again should be a minister. We know there's, there's fivefold, whatever else, there, there, there's giftings and callings that God uses some beyond certain things. If you've got one of those callings, but you just want to live at the same level of commitment and dedication as the crowd, never going to get there. If you just want the only time you're getting shaped and molded 
by God and the Spirit of God and the Word of God to be when you come together for church or you go to youth camp or youth congress or go conference or ladies conference or men's conference or whatever. If that's the only shaping that God is ever able to do in your life, you're never going to be in a position to be put in your place in the temple. Ephesians 2.19 Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. The, the, the things that we're doing corporately when we come together, what that really ought to be able to be about is the fitly framing, the positioning, so that the body can do and be All that it's supposed to be. Ephesians 4, verse 11. Familiar verses. He gave some apostles and prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You're spending every couple of weeks trying to decide whether there's one God or there's a trinity. You're spending every couple of weeks trying to figure out is tongues of God or is tongues of the devil. You're spending every couple of weeks trying to figure out is it okay just to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior or do you believe that except a man be born of the water and the Spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God. If you're just constantly cycling through those things You're being tossed to and fro. At some point, you're supposed to get beyond that. You're supposed to get to the point where you've got some roots that have gone down deep enough that it doesn't matter what winds blow. It doesn't matter what doctrines come your way. It doesn't matter what questions your faith. It doesn't matter what attacks what you believe. You're able to stand firm and strong. Watch this, here it is, that word fitly again, from whom the whole, verse 15, speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Here, here's the problem. I hate to say it in a negative way, but here's the problem. How many of you in this room tonight have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues? You've been born again of the water. You've been baptized in the name of Jesus. Can I see your hand, please? 
Here's, here's the problem. If that's what's happened in your life, that means you're a part of the body. And there are no unnecessary members of the body. Yes, there are things that you and I, there are parts of our bodies that we could live without them. Some of you live without some. You can live without some limbs. You can, you can, you can. can live without some things. But just because you can live without some things doesn't mean that they were unimportant or just extras. So if you and I are a part of the body, and again, when you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in His name, you're, a part of the, you're now a part of the body. So if you are a part of the body, there is something that you are supposed to be supplying. There is something that you should be supplying. So if you're the elbow, and we can't get you convinced to get shaped into what God wants you to be, and we're always trying to get you to function as the elbow, we're walking around like this. All the rest of my arm might be working okay, but if my elbow decides I ain't working no more, I got a problem. Now I guarantee you, if my elbow decides to stop working, I'm still going to find out a way to eat. It may not be pretty, it may not be done with etiquette, but I'm going to eat. I wonder how many times, oh God, I wonder how many times the body of Christ is having to figure out how to do some things because they need to be done, but we're not doing them the most effective and efficient way because we've got some joints that are supposed to be supplying certain things, but you can't quite make up your mind if you're going to be who you're supposed to be. Telling you, I, I, I said it Thursday night. I, I have spent so much time in my personal walk with God, but also in ministry, whether in my days as youth pastor or whatever role, other roles of ministry I've had. I've spent so much time waiting, holding out hope on that magical moment when everything just boomed. I don't know how God, I believe there's going to be a worldwide end time harvest, but I don't know that it's going to be that God just all of a sudden one day the, the switch, I'm not sure it's going to be like a light. It might be, it'd be awesome if it was. It might be more of just a, a trickle that continues to build. And, and, and then you're, you're in it and 
Next thing you know, I mean, if the if the vision that Ezekiel had is is the way that it happens, the the Bible says he he started to walk away from the temple, and and the water was only ankle deep. And then he walked a little farther, and it got deeper and knee deep, and then finally reached the point where where it was waters that had to be swam in. But that he didn't just walk out of the temple and jump into waters to be swam in. So you know what? There's some things. Well, there's some things that I believe at Antioch Central have been continuing to to build and develop. And there's some things that are gaining momentum. Say it again. Hopefully, maybe this is another resolution that I need to make. I'm not ready to make this one, but maybe I should. It's, It's numbers are not everything. Numbers are not the most important thing, but they are a tool that we do use. Today, less than six weeks, I think, before we had our highest attendance ever at Arnold on Sunday mornings for a regular Sunday, less than six weeks later, we broke that record. Several weeks ago, we had 310 people here. This morning, we had 319 people at Antioch, in Arnold, excuse me, just in Arnold today. That doesn't count Deal and Glen Burnie and, and, and the Hispanic group and Pinewood and I'm missing something else. I was just right here. And there's some, there's some things. I, I'm, I'm so ready and I believe I'm not, and I'm not discounting anything God's done and doing, but I, I'm, I'm so ready to get beyond just trying to get everybody shaped and into place and, 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 and reach the point where God can do some serious positioning. And He's been doing that. Man, I mean, just, just one simple area. Boy, this, this, what, what God has done in our, in our, with our youth team this last year and, and the team that God's been putting together. But, but there's so many other areas and what's been going on in our oikos. There's a lot of great things happening but what would really happen if we could all go to another level of letting God do some chiseling and some hammering all on my own just between he and I says and if I'm not mistaken it was the words of Jesus himself and we know that if it's in red letters it's a little bit more important than everything else Just to make sure you get that, as Bishop would say, sarcasm alert. I love some of those CCM songs that talk about the red letters. As if all the other letters are less God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, not just the red letters. I didn't do it this morning, so I'm making up for it tonight. Why did I just say that? Where was I going? Anybody? Nobody? I, I don't know why I was saying red letters. So I, yeah, red. Ah, that's right. Thank you, Brother Mark. Jeez, I believe it was Jesus himself, not just through somebody else in the black letters, Jesus himself. I'm pretty sure after all that, somebody's probably going to tell me it wasn't Jesus. Somebody else said it, so. But I think it was Jesus. If it wasn't Jesus in red letters, it was Jesus through the other letters. But he said you can either fall on the rock 
and be broken. Or you can let the rock fall on you and grind you to powder. In case anybody thinks that's tongues and you need interpretation. Option A is the much better option. Falling, willingly falling on the rock and being broken is way better than the rock falling on you and grinding you to powder. So if I'm not going to do my part individually, then God's going to do His part. If you and I won't let there be the chiseling and the shaping that needs to be taken place someplace else, then, then God's going to do it because there is a world that God has made up His mind. He's going to reach. There are souls. There are, there are things that are going to happen through the church in the kingdom of God in one way or other. But you know what? How about we reach the point that we're only doing layups just to get warmed up a little bit. We're not doing them so that we can learn how to do them. But we can go beyond that and move on to some other things. Eye, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God is going to do. That's, that's okay, but that's not exactly what it says. It says it hasn't entered into the hearts of men. The things that God hath, past tense, prepared. There's things that God has for you individually. And there's things that God has for us as a church collectively. He's already prepared them. When you get up on, if you exchange presents, if you get up on Christmas morning and go out into the living room or the family room or wherever they are, the reason they're there is because someone hath prepared them. Days, weeks, sometimes even months for some of you. In advance, you got presents hidden in the closet. To have them on Christmas morning, you have been preparing. Man, I think sometimes when God's doing stuff, we, we, we miss that. And we're thinking, well, God just, just did something. No. No, you know what happened here this morning at, at, at Arnold wasn't what God just did today. What happened at Arnold this morning is things that is something that God already had prepared, but the things that we've been doing have been getting us to that point. You, you know what? I think there's others that could, but you know what? You know what, Matt? Matt, right? I always get you and Caleb confused. So. You get offended at that. Sorry. Sometimes my wife calls my one of my sons Leo. So So if I call you Caleb, you know, no offense. Right, Silas? That's that that's Paul. He or, no, that's Wow. Sorry. If you were around 15, 20 years ago, that looks a lot like Paul, but it's Declan. Sorry. That's what I get for being so cocky. I'm sorry. You know, there's some others of you that you can, you can take possession of what I'm about to say. But, but you know what's going on lately in your life? 
you, you finally got past the point of, am I going to do this or not? Am I going to do this or not? Am I going to live for God or not? Am I going to do this or not? There have been some places, and School of Tyrannus is one of those, and some other places where, where God's been doing some chiseling and some, and some cutting in your life. And, and so what you're seeing now is God putting you into position. I'm going to say, hey, Brother Bar, how many did you say? Do you remember how many you said got baptized last year, Central? 38. I'm going to say something that I know if he gets arrogant and cocky, God has a really good way of taking the air out of us. So I would venture to say there's a very high percentage, and I'm not even going to put a number on it, but I would venture to say there's a very high percentage of those people that got baptized last year at Antioch Central that, that you had a direct responsibility or involvement for. Some sow, some water, but God gives you all of that. But you had a direct. Why? How many years ago was that when you, when you got out of West Point? Three years ago. What town is West Point in? I mean, Annapolis is the only town that matters with military academies, but I'll ask anyway. Sorry. I can't. He, he knows how to give it and take it. So what town is West Point in? Oh, it's West Point. Okay. I guess West Point is so great they've got their own town. But Navy's so great it needed a town bigger than it to host it. So, yeah, you all know who my dad is. You know what, boy, I'm telling you, I, I heard all the way down in Annapolis, man, I heard three years ago the sound of a chisel and a, and a hammer. It was loud. I'm not shy. That's some of the loudest chiseling and hammering that I've ever heard. Whew, boy, there was some stuff going on at the quarry in West Point. <laughs> but you know what's been happening these last couple of years, man? There's, there's been, some, been some putting into play. There's been some positioning. And this is only the beginning. You know why the enemy wants to get us to, to sp stay in this cycle? Because he knows what God has planned for us individually and collectively. And if we ever make up our minds, God, I'm selling out all the way. And I don't need, I don't need a preacher. I don't need a deacon. I don't need a youth pastor. I don't need a young adult leader. I don't need a prophet. I don't need an apostle. But I'm going to find a place where just you and I, Jesus, you can do some shaping and some molding. I'm not saying you don't ever need somebody else. But if you would let the majority of that happened between you and Jesus. Oh, my friend, he can do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. There's no sound of a chisel. There was no sound of a hammer. I'm not here tonight saying there should never be messages that challenge us. And I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that that shouldn't be where the majority of it has to take place. When we get here, when we gather together for church, when you gather together in an oikos, when, when you gather together with youth ministry, when you gather together in young adult ministry, when, when you gather together in other settings of, of, of people of God and, 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 and fellow brothers and sisters in the kingdom, oh my, the, 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 the primary focus of that should be able to be fitly framing us together. 
at the, at the site of the temple. It's just that. I got a question. I, I know there wasn't church and all that back then, but just where where did Jacob have his wrestling match? He had it at NAYC after the Friday night message. And don't get me wrong, I've had some encounters with God at NAYC and at youth camp, and some of the most momentous moments of my walk with God has been at some of those places. But that wasn't, the, that, that wasn't the ultimate of it all. That was just a part of That was another piece for me individually. But the reason, the, I think part of the reason those moments could be so significant is because of the other stuff God had been doing. When Jacob had the encounter with God that got him a new name and caused him to walk from that day forward completely differently. Didn't happen at the altar call. Didn't happen at pause. Didn't happen in any other those any of those other places. It happened when Jacob, all alone, all alone, nobody else around, not a response to a word or a message that somebody preached, but just Jacob had an encounter with God. as a result God was able to put him in a place that he was supposed to be called I say it again please this, this, this message this message isn't intended to be a rebuke a challenge yes but not a rebuke because I know there's so many of you here tonight in, 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 in some degree, you're, 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 you are doing this. But what would happen if, we, if our focus became even more? If the, if the opportunities we provided for God became even more, God, do some, do some chiseling on me. Do some hammering on me. Do some cutting on me, God. Do some shaping on me so that, so that when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm coming together with the body, I'm, I'm able to be fitly. got Timothy and Nathaniel these these uh these it's one of their gifts for for Christmas each of them uh, I don't know that calling it a puzzle is really the right thing but it's it's this deal you put together and it's got marbles and they can roll down these tracks and whatever it's made out of wood and uh it it kind of caught my attention because there, I, I think that the sandpaper come with it. So it's, I mean, it's all the pieces, everything, they're all pretty much cut. You kind of got to break them out of the rest, you know, these sheets or whatever. But it, it provided some sandpaper so that if there was some pieces that when it was to be put together needed, needed some edges smoothed a little bit, you had it. But, but you, weren't, you weren't making the piece. You weren't cutting the whole piece. You were just... You were just taking off. You know, there's there's sometimes we kind of we got a little bit of a rub between us, but we're supposed to be fitting together. But rather than God having to completely shape us when, when we come together like this, what if what if all God needed to do in those moments was just, just get a little edge off? Not not cutting the whole piece because he just just a little fine tuning. 
leaving the principles, going forth from. Not abandoning, neglecting, forsaking, but, but building on. Would you, would you bow your head and close your eyes? torn between <laughs> I'm torn between doing what's no doubt I think an important thing to do most of the time and, and that is but it's also the, the sometimes it's the easy thing to do and that is to just simply give an altar call and make an appeal and I am I'm I'm very confident that if I did that right now there's a whole bunch of you that'll that you'll respond but I'm I'm torn because because the true impact of this message, the true fruit of this message can't happen right now in an altar unless it's an altar that you find of your own doing, of your own initiative, not as the result of, of an invitation. Again, I believe there's a time and a place for that. There's many messages where that's the, I believe that's the right thing to do. Just, just being very transparent with you, everything in me wants to just simply do that. Because again, I, I know there's so many of you, you would, you, would, you would very quickly respond. But if, and I trust and believe it is, but if this has been a word God has given me for this evening can't be manifested really here right now. It's got to happen other times and other places. It's got to happen where it's it's where you're finding that rock and falling on that rock. And we've got we as a church, collectively, all of Antioch. But we as a congregation, Antioch Central, we have got some promises that God has given to us specifically. God's able. God's more than able. But we've got to be fitly framed and We've got to do our part individually for God to shape us so that He can then put us together in the place that we fit. So, Lord, I don't want to just do something because it's the norm or the convenient or the comfortable thing to do. So, Father, I pray to the best of my ability, by the leading of your Spirit, 
Lord, that in just a moment, without an altar call, without an invitation to come pray, we're just simply going to dismiss. But I'm going to trust and believe, Lord, that there's hearts all over this sanctuary that are good ground for the seed of your word. I'm going to trust and believe, God, that that seed has been sown into that good ground. And then we're going to go and do our part to guard and protect it. And then to nurture it. Do those things that are necessary to water and nourish so that it has every possibility of becoming. Lord, I believe with all of my heart I'm amongst a group of people that are not interested in just another emotional response. Lord, I'm not discounting the sincerity and the reality of emotions, but I also know there are times, especially as apostolics, that we can respond more so just out of emotion than it really is our will. So I pray, God, that beyond an emotion here this evening, I pray that beyond just some sensational feeling, that there would be a deep work that is done in our hearts and our lives. Lord, I feel kind of like the prophet's servant that I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. I see some things, God, I feel some things that are growing and developing in us and through us as a congregation. So God, I want us, I pray that every one of us would be able to be fitly framed, lively stones, presenting ourselves to you as lively stones that you can then put together, connect to build this house that you have planned and intended. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I rebuke the devourer who would like to come along and steal the seed of your word before it has the chance to germinate and take root and grow. I pray that your word would be guarded, protected, sealed in our hearts and our lives tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today, this evening. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing and what God is going to do. In Jesus' name.